Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. How are you doing? I know the holidays can be beautiful and wonderful, but sometimes can be a little rough with all the activities and friends and family. So just wanted to check in with you since you'll be listening to this after the holidays for most of you, and I hope you're doing okay. Today, I want to talk to you, maybe related, maybe not related, But you know, those ugly moments of parenting that none of us want to talk about, those moments where we look back and we're feeling really guilty or ashamed of our behavior, but we just lost our cool in the moment. And what do we do with those things besides bury them deep within our soul and, you know, pull them up periodically to beat ourselves up, which is really not helpful. So I want to talk about how to effectively and compassionately repair those situations for yourself and for your child. And equally, um, they're equally important, right? I mean, sometimes we think, oh my gosh, how can I fix this and repair my relationship with my child? But also we need to think about how can I repair this relationship with myself? I actually even think that's even more important because your relationship with yourself is the most important relationship you're having in this lifetime. Without a solid relationship with yourself, all your other relationships will not, will, will not be as whole or as healthy if your relationship with yourself isn't. <laughs> I sound like a Hallmark card, but it's all true. So before we get into this week's episode, I do want to say thank you to NoCD. This podcast episode is sponsored by them. And NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S., lots of other countries. To schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child, go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. I will leave links in the show notes. Okay, so let's talk about these ugly moments. So full disclosure, I just got back from a trip this morning. Um, it was like around 1 a.m. Florida time because we came back from Florida. This wasn't that late Phoenix time. and. Woke up this morning. I'm feeling really exhausted. I got bags under my eyes. Coming back from trips, if if you've been following my podcast, you know I've been traveling a lot this year due to my priorities shifting after I lost my husband in February. Coming back is always hard. And then having Christmas on top of it, I think was a double whammy. So I am really exhausted. So I think I was thinking, what could I talk about today? Because I need to get my podcast done so that you guys have this. And I had a really ugly, not moment, I would say an ugly half a day (laughs) on our trip. And, you know, I always try to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart, or it's something that I'm experiencing because that's, that's my teaching style is to, to experience things with my kids with anxiety or OCD or my own anxiety. And then to teach from that, from that authentic space of just was there. And let me tell you what happened to me. And then let me tell you how I'm navigating it or how I would help other people navigate it. So that's where this topic is coming from. So we all have really ugly parenting moments. I really, I don't know any 
Mother Teresa or Mary Poppins out there who who's never had a moment in their parenting that they look at and think, man, that was not how I wanted to handle that. (laughs) Or that's not what I wanted to say to my child. That's human. So I think that's the first step is recognizing that we all have ugly parenting moments. Are we going to post them on Facebook? Are we going to snapshot them, put them on Instagram? Are we going to share that in our Christmas postcards when we wrap up our year? No, these are the hidden secrets of parenting that people don't share. And I wish they did share more often because it would normalize it a lot more. And it's not condoning it. You know, I think that sometimes people don't realize it's not condoning it, but it's also normalizing it and saying you're human. And how do we get up, dust ourselves off and and get back in the game again the next day or the next hour? I do feel like we have like two different parenting camps right now, or like in this era of parenting. And I think you've got attachment parenting, positive parenting, you know, all of these names that we have for just this like very empathetic, hear your child, be present for your child. And then on the opposite end, and they don't have to be, you know, separate, but I'm just saying what's out there in social media, you have memes about, you know, my crappy little child, you know, let me grab my wine and survive, you know, and you have a lot of blogs that are, that are humorous, you know, scary mommy and like a lot of memes that are all about, you know, my snotty little kid, you know, my punk little kid to make you laugh, but they're both kind of extremes. Right. And so I want to have a real conversation with you somewhere in the middle that says, you're going to, you're not going to knock this out of the park 24 seven. Right. I mean, I know I'm not. And I mean, I don't think the label child therapist gives me any more prevention from having those experiences. So what do you do when those things happen? And I, you know, I like to, to teach through stories. I like to tell you stories of what has happened in my life or, you know, make up a story to, to bring home the point. So I'll talk about what happened to us on our trip. And I'll also weave in what can happen with you. A lot of times when our kids have anxiety or OCD, you know, when their anxiety or OCD shows up and it's so difficult in that moment. And you have to ask yourself, what are your triggers? What makes it difficult in the moment for you? Because each one of us are are unique and different. And so your ugly parenting moment might have a pattern. I know mine do. And that's really where you want to start is say, let me go back, take a bigger step back and say, what's the, what's the pattern here? What, when am I likely to have an ugly moment? Cause I know for me, like I have been so present and in the moment I've been taking walks in the desert, you know, every single day to recenter myself as I'm grieving with my husband and I've been showing up for my kids in a more present sort of way. And just when I think I've nailed it and I'm like, man, I am cool as a cucumber. Like I, I let things ride off of me and I'm detached. Then I have a really ugly moment on a vacation, on a trip that was supposed to be fun. And that makes me beat myself up even more. But there are patterns in that. And so what are your patterns? And I'll give you some examples so you know what I'm talking about. Are your ugly moments more likely to happen when you're in a time crunch? That's one of them. Or 
when your child is, you know, having their, a rough time, whether it's through their anxiety or OCD or just being a kid and they are talking back to you or they're, they're saying you're horrible or they're saying things that are very triggering because they're being nasty. So that could, that could cause an ugly moment. You might be incredibly empathetic, but then when your child turns on you, you think, no, you did not just do that. I've been here for you. I'm in the trenches with you. I'm like the one person who gets you and advocates for you and helps you during these hard times. And you have the audacity to turn your anger on me. What an ingrate. That could be a trigger, right? Another ugly parenting moment might be triggered by being around other people. And so it could be embarrassing. So maybe you you could keep your cool when you're at home between, you know, in your own walls, but when you're out in public or when there's other people at your house and your child starts to act out or have anxiety or OCD issues, that's a trigger for you because it's embarrassing. So they're going to be different for each person. I just want you to think about that before we move forward in this episode to think what prompts my ugly moments. And that's also giving yourself some wiggle room and grace to say, you're not ugly all the time, beautiful person. You're ugly when it's a perfect storm and there are certain things that are happening that are triggering for you. That's not to condone it and say, don't worry about it. You're just having a rough time. It's to understand it. So many of us, we don't take the time to understand these moments. We just don't want to have them again. And so often there's no looking back and having some perspective and saying, let me analyze that a bit in a, in a non-negative way and say, what just happened and why? And maybe you have to do that a few days later or even a week later, or maybe like an hour later. It's going to be different for each one of you, but that is the first step. So I know for myself, I am more likely to have an ugly moment when I am in a time crunch, when I'm stressed. So like if I'm driving and I don't know where I'm going and then my kids have their bickering or something, I might have an ugly moment <laughs> there. And I shouldn't really call them ugly moments. That was just the title that came to me that I think people can relate to because we feel ugly in those moments, but they're, they're more like human moments. But if I name this podcast, human parenting moments and how to repair them, I don't think you'd get what I'm talking about, <laughs> but I don't think they're ugly. I think they're human, but we feel ugly when we're having them. So yeah, definitely time. And then for me as well, if I'm around other people and my child's having a hard time and they are doing so this will make sense when I tell you my story, but if they are impacting other people because of their behavior or their anxiety or OCD, that could be a trigger for me as well. And lastly, and this might be a little bit weird, but this is something to consider too for you, you know, medical reasons why you might be having ugly moments. So if you're diabetic and your sugar, sugar levels are out of whack, that can create irritability. If you have your own mental health issues and your own mental health Stability isn't quite solid. That could cause issues. If you're hormonal, you're about to get your period or um, you're going through menopause, those can create some irritability issues. And so we want to look at the medical aspect of these things as well. Medical meaning mental and physical health, because those do impact and we want to have some compassion about ourselves and the things that we might be going through that have made us more likely to have those moments. I know for myself, when I'm traveling, and this is really bizarre, but when I'm traveling, I guess I am more prone to ugly moments because 
I'm traveling without my husband now. Although we would kind of bicker when we traveled. <laughs> I don't think I was like, I'm not a totally Zen traveler. I'm really trying to work on it and I've gotten so much better, but there's still a little bit of issue to deal with. But I also am highly, I get motion sickness in a very, very debilitating sort of way, which I know is weird, but like it can be really, really bad. So I have to take something and uh, Dramamine makes me rage. It is actually a side effect that impacts me. And so it will make me very, very irritable. And so I did take boning this time, which is so much better. It's a different medication. I've done so much research on the different medications around motion sickness. So I've done Dramamine, boning, and the patch, um, scopoline patch, and they, they all bring issues to me on some level, but I don't want to spend my first day traveling, throwing up, which is what will happen if I don't take something. And so, and when you're traveling by yourself with a couple of kids, I can't be incapacitated like that. I don't have someone to take care of me. So anywho, all that is to say that I took boning and it's a 24 hour pill. And so the next day it was still in my system and I'm not sure yet because I'm doing my own experiment, but that does make me irritable and Dramamine makes me rage. And so I don't know if boning does too. Anyway, more than you probably needed to know, but that is something that could cause an ugly moment or is more likely to kind of stack the deck in the favor of me losing my goal. (laughs) And I did. So you want to look at those patterns because when we know those patterns, we're more likely to be aware of them before they happen and maybe can preempt them or proactively prevent them on some level. We can never prevent them completely. But I want to spend the rest of the time talking about how to repair them. So um, we went kayaking in the mangroves in Florida, which I thought was going to be beautiful. I'm like, how can this go wrong? Like the water looks so crystal blue and the eco kayaking tour that we went on, they advertised that it is for beginners. It's family friendly. It's not a problem. Super simple. I thought the waters are going to be so calm that. It should be really easy. And I asked my son, you know, the cousin and my daughter were each going to kayak with an adult and he wanted to have his own kayak. And if you've listened to my podcast before, you know, we've kind of had some kayaking issues. (laughs) And so kayaking is really hard. I didn't realize even in calm waters, if you don't have upper body strength and you're going a long distance, it's not easy. It's definitely not this like serene peaceful experience if you are my age (laughs) and not in shape. And if you're a kid who isn't really doing a lot of athletics, it's a lot. It is actually a lot. So there's a whole group of us and we were with strangers and we were doing a kayaking tour and it didn't go well. I won't go into the whole story. It didn't go well. It was actually very, very tricky for even us adults and even the other adults in the party with us had a hard time but my son got left behind very early on, started to give up, you know, and it's hard when you see, you know, all the kayaks moving away from you and you're like the only one behind. And then I don't know if you've ever kayaked in the mangroves. It's pretty specific. So probably most of you haven't, but it is just think of all these trees, like almost creating a canopy and you have to like weave your way into throughout these like trails through the kayak. It's beautiful. It was beautiful, but it was it's hard even for an adult because you're like, you know, you're getting hit by sticks and you're having to, you're getting stuck in the kayak. Anyway, 
I'm gonna I'm about to cuss. So if you have kids, you can just pause this. But shit hit the fan when my son saw what he thought was a spider, but actually was like a brown, huge crab on a tree. And he had asked the tour guide maybe a few minutes before then, because he saw some spider webs and he said, um, do they have spiders in here? And he said, yeah. And then my son said, are they poisonous? And the guy being totally not kid friendly and definitely not anxiety or OCD friendly said, oh yeah, most of them are. <laughs> it's like the mangroves were filled with like poisonous jellyfish that they told us like can paralyze you and then you'll drown. And then they told us about all these like poisonous spiders. They weren't really kid friendly. And so they were just young, but um, so he sees this huge thing, which I, he was ahead of me, so I couldn't see it. And he completely freaks out and we are traveling with other people in our family. And one of them completely freaks out. So we've got multiple freakouts happening at the same time. And, you know, then he drops his oar and he like rips off of his, his um, life jacket and throws it in the water. And I lost my shit. I really, really lost it. I just wanted to kill him. I mean, not literally, but I just, I was so, so angry because it was triggering for me. And so it was triggering on a bunch of different reasons, levels. It was triggering because we were around other people. And so he was making, you know, I have social anxiety, you know, not that we need to have social anxiety dominate and make an excuse for my behavior, but we were ruining the tour for like, you know, four other people. And he was making a scene and which was embarrassing. And he threw his oar down and safety was at risk. He took his life jacket off um, and he was screaming and people were laughing, not because they were trying to be mean, but it was just such a almost comical situation when we had two kids screaming their heads off. And so we had some laughing, you know, he doesn't like when people yell at him. So he's, I'll kill you. Stop yelling at me. And so it was, and I'm yelling stop laughing at him. It's only making it worse. You know, so I'm screaming at the other adult who's laughing. It's a mess. It was a total mess, but I was so angry with him. So I'm screaming at him. And, um, it was a very ugly parenting few hours on the water. Eventually they wound up going back the two screaming kids. Um, and one adult went back out of the mangroves and we continued on, which you know, I, I appreciated the other adult taking the two kids <laughs> because I wasn't going to be therapeutic. I had I was not therapeutic at all with him um, when he was trailing behind. I wasn't like motivating him. I was like, just paddle, just paddle. Like, why is this so hard? You know, and everybody would stop for him so he could catch up and then he would stop, which just angered me more. I'm like, people are giving you an opportunity to catch up and you are giving up before you even begin. And so, yeah, we'll just say I had very, very ugly parenting moment, a two hour ugly moment. And I was not therapeutic. I was the opposite of therapeutic. You know, you should have, we won't even go into it. You can imagine all the things I would say. So how do you repair that? I'm sure you can think of your own ugly moments and what you said. Sometimes we say hurtful things to our kids. I tend to not say hurtful things. I tend to just like really demean them, you know, like just do it. Why can't you just do it? Or it's not, you know, it's not a big deal. Just let's go. You know? And so I didn't, I devalue their struggle. And I actually, it was a whole ugly day because I didn't repair it that night. I was still so angry with him. That's kind of why I think the boning was a bit of an issue for me. I might just have a personal issue with, you know, motion sickness pills, not to blame it on that, but 
I was so angry still, even into the evening, I couldn't repair that. I couldn't process it with him. I couldn't say I was sorry. Um, he was saying sad things about himself. Like, I guess I just suck or, you know, I ruin our trips and I couldn't, I couldn't go in and cheerlead for him. Like I normally would and say, we all have bad moments. Like, let's just leave it behind us. Like things I would normally say, I just couldn't. Cause I was still, I was still so angry because we spent all this money on this tour on this tour. And he had an opportunity to not be in a single kayak. So like all these things just, I couldn't let go. But the next day I was able to let go. The voting was out of my system, but I mean, I've had ugly moments without medication, so I'm not going to put it all on that. And it's never too late to repair a relationship. And that's kind of the essence of what I want to convey today for all of us, including myself is it's never too late to go back and correct that and repair that. We can't undo what we do, just like our kids can't undo what they do, but we can try to repair it. And so the first step in repairing it is acknowledging, you know, your role in what happened, how you would want to respond instead of making excuses. Because I think what we do sometimes, not all of us, but in relationships, we don't like the way it makes us feel. And so we justify it. And we justify it maybe by saying, maybe for me, it would be fully saying, I wouldn't have done that at all if it wasn't for the boning that I took, the motion sickness medicine. That's not true, right? Or maybe I would justify it by saying, you know what? This is his fault because he should have thought about the fact that, you know, kayaking is hard and he should have, you know, accepted my offer to go with me in a kayak. And so I could blame him and then feel like I wouldn't have gotten angry. I wouldn't have lost my cool. I wouldn't have had an ugly parenting moment if he had done this, this, and this, that's not helpful. And replace my examples for your own examples, right? It's very, and this doesn't even have to be about our kids. I mean, this podcast episode can really be relevant to any relationship you're having where you have ugly moments, whether it's with your partner or, you know, another relative or friend. And so owning our part in it and saying, yeah, that's not how I want to show up for people. That, that is an important aspect of repairing it with yourself and with the other person, because you really can't, you can't change if you don't acknowledge what you want to change. I was aware in the moment, this is the the curse of me is I'm aware in the moment. And you might be too, that I'm not showing up the way I want to show up. And I'm saying things that are coming out of my mouth and I don't want to say them and I have no control, but there's a, there's a part of me that is observing it and is aware of it while it's happening. And that part of me is very uncomfortable, but it's not loud enough or strong enough to take back the reins. If you don't have that in the moment, you want to tap into that aspect before you start to repair it actually with your child. So that was already going on for me. I just didn't have the compassion yet to repair it with him. So the next day I woke up and it's still a little hard to kind of repair it because I still was a little angry, but I really forced myself to switch gears and get back into that repair mode. And so when I woke him up, I said, it's a brand new day. Everything is, we're starting fresh and let's have a great day, you know? And so I could have woken him up and been like, no, yesterday was horrible. And don't you start acting like that again today, or this is going to happen. I could have had that tone and it wouldn't be very hard for me to shift into that tone because I was still really angry and maybe um, overly angry for a situation that didn't really warrant it. I don't know, but I said to him, it was a fresh start. So repairing it is being aware of it. And then verbalizing it with your child, you have to not just show them. Sometimes I think parents think, you know, I'll just love on them today and I'll just, you know, hug on them and I'll be really, really good today. And that will repair it. 
that's just one very small aspect of it. It's not your actions. A lot of times with repairing, it's the processing that's important, the words that are important. And so more often I say action is more important than, you know, talk. But in this case, it's actually the talk that's more important than the action. So yeah, it's nice to cuddle on them or or hug them or say you love them. But you you don't want to leave that experience in the past without repairing it. Because without repairing it, that's just a damaged memory. That's just a damaged experience. And there's a period at the end of that experience. And that chapter is over. And I don't want that to be written in ink in that chapter. And so I'm going to go back and not that I can, you know, erase it and pretend that it never happened. But I said to him, I'm sorry, that was, I did not talk to you or handle that situation in the way that I wanted to. I know I was not motivating you. I wasn't uplifting. I go, I guess we both have things we have to work on. You know, you have to work on things. And I, I didn't go into labeling them or identifying them because that's kind of getting squirreled a bit and not the purpose of repairing. But I said, cause he already knew what he has to work on. He was very well aware of his struggles. He didn't need me to highlight them anymore. But I said, I need to work on my patience. You know, I thought I was much more patient. I thought I'd worked on it. And I think I need to work on it a lot more because even though you were having a hard time, I could have at least been compassionate and I could have try to help motivate you instead of making it actually worse. And, you know, my son's always like, that's okay, mom, don't worry about it. I'm like, no, I have to work on, I have equal things to work on. That was a very ugly day for me as much as it was for you. And then I did hug him and he's not a hugger, but I hugged him and I was aware of how I was interacting with him the rest of the day. Um, although I was still a bit irritated. So to be totally honest, I was still snapping at him because he's very hyperactive on this trip. I don't know what was going on with him, but it was a lot. But I think the important aspect of repairing a relation, uh, an ugly moment and trying to prepare that relationship is not that it goes perfectly smoothly or that you are a beautiful, graceful parent from then on, right? Or that you don't have an ugly moment like an hour later, but it's the rawness and the authentic conversation that you have with your child to show up and say, that's not how I wanted to handle it. I wish I had done. And then even go into how you wish you had handled it and own your part. I wouldn't diminish their part because we don't want to inadvertently create this pattern of maybe you did something that was totally not okay that you need to work on. And I'm going to take all of the blame for myself and, you know, exonerate you. And now you don't really have to reflect back on the things you need to work on. But we also don't need to highlight them and go into in depth when we're trying to repair that moment because they probably already know. And so that's why I started with my son and said, I know that was a really rough day for you. And I know that your anxiety showed up and really made you have a complete anxiety attack. And that was a lot. That was a lot for you. And then I go into what I own, but I'm not going to take away what they did. And so like, if you had a child who was cussing at you and throwing shoes and, you know, and then you lost your cool because you felt like they were targeting you and it was a trigger for you. I wouldn't start the repair by saying, I'm sorry that I, you know, yelled at you and I screamed at you and I said all those horrible things. I wouldn't start with that because inadvertently we don't want to 
discount their behavior. Um, and we don't want them to interpret it that way, but I would start with, I know you were angry and I know you said a lot of things that, and I wouldn't say necessarily that you didn't mean because we don't want to speak for our kids, but I know you said a lot of things that were hurtful and I know you, you did a lot of aggressive action and stuff, but I didn't want to respond to you in the same way. I didn't want to respond to you by using hurtful words and throwing things at you. That's not how I want to be as a parent. So you see what I'm doing there is I'm first briefly outlining their behavior in as much of an objective way as I can. I know you were having a hard time. And so you got aggressive and blah, blah, blah. Right. Like with my son, I know you were having anxiety. And so, you know, you were freaking out on the kayak. So I'm not saying I know you were like, you know, acting out, you are being horrible and you're calling me names and you were being totally inappropriate. I'm using as objective and neutral language as I possibly can, because I'm not trying to dredge up that situation and make it worse again. I'm trying to repair it. Um, so I am going to highlight briefly, objectively what they did. And then I'm going to say my part, but I didn't want to show up in that way for you, or it's not okay for me to act the same way back to you when I'm trying to show you that we have to be respectful to each other. And me yelling at you back when you're yelling isn't modeling respect. And it's what it is modeling though, is that I'm human and that I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to do things that I feel bad about afterwards, just like you do, right? Because I'm human, you're human. And just because I'm your parent doesn't mean that I don't make mistakes. doesn't mean that I don't think back and think, gosh, I wish I handled that differently. And you're going to have those experiences throughout your life too, because we're all human. But the most important thing is that we come back and, you know, we work and we talk about what happened and we say, I say that I love you. And, um, I apologize for showing up in that way. And I can't promise you that that's not going to ever happen again. Cause I'm human. And I know that you can't promise me that you're not going to do that again because you're human. But I think the important thing is, is that we talk about those things when they do happen and that at the end that, you know, that my love is still there for you. My love has never gone away. And I was having a really ugly human moment and I'm sorry for that. That is how we try to repair those situations one small step at a time, right? So that's not a period. That's a comma. We had a really rough day, comma. I'm coming back and I'm going to repair that. And now I can close that chapter and all the ugliness is still there, but there's a repair in that too. So when my child reflects back on that moment, they might reflect back on that repairing moment too. And it's not like one negates the other, but it's a comma in that ugly moment instead of a period, right? And we want to add to that sentence before we shut that closure and have some closure on that chapter in that moment of our lives. And that goes for all, all situations in all chapters, good, bad, and ugly that we have with all sorts of people in our world is that there's always an opportunity to go back and repair. If that person doesn't accept your repair, you know, or your child or your partner or your friends or your family, it doesn't matter because this is also about you and it's about showing up in the way that you want to show up. So we give to get, I always say this to my kids, we give to give, we don't give to get. And that's not, not just a literal thing. It doesn't mean I give, you know, I do a random act of kindness to you, but I let you know who I am. And now I expect you to write a thank you card or acknowledge me in some way, or I give you a gift for Christmas because now I expect you to give me one. 
yeah, there is that literal aspect of we don't give to get, we give to give. But also I feel like on a philosophical level, we give to give, we don't give to get. So I'm, I'm giving that to my, to my son, not to get anything back. I don't need him to exonerate me and say, it's okay, mom. I don't need that because when we're repairing a moment of time, we're not repairing it to heal ourselves. It's not a selfish thing. I'm not saying these things so that my son can then make me feel better. That's putting a burden on someone else or something I did. I don't need them to say, it's okay, Natasha. It's okay, mom. If they do, they do. If they don't, they don't. I'm neutral because that's not the end goal. The end goal is to be, to have integrity with myself and to say, there are certain expectations I have for myself and I'm not going to always meet them. And that is okay. But one expectation I do have is that I repair those things. If I wasn't happy with how I showed up, then I am going to be compassionate to myself. And I'm going to say, Hey, you're human. All the things I said to my son, I'm going to say to myself, you're human. You got a lot going on, right? You're traveling, you're tired, you're, you know, you're taking medication that normally makes you 10 times more irritable, right? You spend a lot of money on this kayaking tour. I'm going to say all these things in my head to have some self-love and self-compassion and say, you're going to lose your shit, Natasha, and that's okay. You know, it's not fun to have. It's not a good experience to feel, but it is going to happen. And that doesn't mean we hold onto it forever and say, okay, I'm going to put that in my bad file of like, yep, I'm a crappy mom. My kids are going to be in therapy forever. We're going to grow up and talk about this moment. No. It just, it is what it is. And because it's not who I was and because I value my relationship with the person that I had the ugly moment with, it is valuable enough for me to go back and repair it. And even if, and I'm not talking about kids now, but I'm talking about maybe ex-partners or people we don't like, if we show up in a way that we don't like, that it's not, it doesn't have our values attached to the behavior, it is still worth going and repairing with that person, not for them but to be congruent with yourself, to say, that's not who I am. I don't talk to people that way. I don't lose my cool that way. That's not how I want to show up in life. And so I'm going to go back to that person. And I might say, I'm sorry that I, you know, said those really horrible things to you because those aren't words that should come out of my mouth to any human being, regardless of what they've done to me. And that that's self-love, that's self-compassion, because you want to be aligned with your belief systems and how you want to show up in life in general. And so this topic actually goes way beyond our kids. And so that comma, instead of that period at the end of that experience is just as much for you as it is for that other person, if not more for you, because I don't want to live a life where I feel like I'm a hypocrite. And I come and I talk to you guys about the things that we should all do to be like these wonderful parents. And I don't want anyone to ever see me and say, well, Natasha would never do that because I'm human. But when I have those ugly moments, that's not who I want to be. And I will repair them predominantly for myself, but also as equally important for my child or the person that I'm doing that to. So, um, but self-love is is the trump card is the thing that is more important than anything else. Not because we are narcissistic or we're self-consumed or self-absorbed or egotistical, but because without self-love, there can be no other love. You have to be whole and complete 
in order to be whole and complete around other people. Otherwise we look for other people, including our kids to fill us up. And we're going to look to our other, to our kids to tell us it's okay. It's okay, mom. I still love you. Even though you lost your cool and were horrible. I still love you. Okay, good. Now I'm filled up again. That's because there's not enough self-love. If you've got self-love, which you can always build at any time, at any age, at any point in your life, um, and you have to keep doing it, right? Because I have this ugly moment and I might say, oh my gosh, I thought I was doing well. And look at me now. I am a zombie, an angry zombie in the mangroves. <laughs> and I can hold on to that for a long time and it can chip away at my self-love and self-compassion. But instead I'm going to repair it for my child, but also for me. All right. I think you get my point. Well, I hope that you have been enjoying this podcast. And if you have, don't forget to hit a star on iTunes, wherever you consume your podcast. Don't forget to leave a review if you have something nice to say. And um, I will always read one of them, but I am in a hurry today. So I apologize for that. Got kids at home. I just got back. feel like a zombie, (laughs) but a nice zombie in the Phoenix area, not in the mangroves. And I hope that you have a lovely holiday and I hope you continue to have a nice break. You probably, most of you have a couple of more days off before your kids have to go back to school. So don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do, even those ugly moments. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.